I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. We got to see lunchtime with the UFC. UFC 254 was on very early today as I record this Saturday evening. But the show for me started at like 11 a.m. So kind of weird to have a show and get to do whatever you needed to do for the rest of the day. But uh, this, you know, like I've been saying, we're going to keep this thing short, this intro. Uh, just we're going to get to uh, quickly. We're going to get to the UFC 254 recap with myself, with Justin Nipper and with John Moxley. We, we're going to talk about Khabib Nurmagomedov's very impressive victory over Justin Gaethje, which made uh, John pretty unhappy because... I imagine he had a few bucks on the upset. If you heard our preview uh, during the middle of the week, John really liked Justin's chances. We're also going to talk about the retirement. Khabib announced his retirement. We'll talk about MMA retirements in general and what they are usually leveraged for. But in this situation, it feels a little bit different. And, you know, we'll talk about MMA GOAT, you know, where does Khabib fit in? How, how do you even create, you know, how do you even have that discussion? How does, where does that list begin and end? And, uh, yeah, we've, well, the, the pro wrestling question is, is pretty much related to MMA, but I thought he had a good answer for, uh, the, you know, who, who, who is a pro wrestler who could excel at this sport, the, M, the sport of MMA, mixed martial arts. So... Uh, we're we're going to get to that, and then uh, I think tomorrow, so Sunday night for the Monday morning show, going to bring back the great Robert Silva, so we can talk about his uh, greatest fights of all time, the last few fights that we haven't talked about yet, ending with the Thrilla in Manila. And we're going to talk a lot about the Thrilla in Manila, so if you're a boxing history person, uh, we're going to talk about the third fight between Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. And then you'll also hear uh, my WCW Saturday Night Review with John LaRocca. And you'll hear us talk about uh, the, let's see, October 24th, 1992 episode of WCW Saturday Night, which is the night before the uh, 1992 Halloween Havoc, Spin the Wheel, Make the Deal. I think next week, uh, or the or the following Monday when we do the uh, the the following show, we'll talk about the Halloween Havoc show. We won't really review it in detail, but we'll just kind of mention all the things that kind of happened and the bad and the good and more of the bad uh, because you know it's just it's kind of hard to review 
that and then still review the WCW Saturday night. But we'll talk about it. We're going to watch it. I'll have it on in the background during the week to make sure that I, uh, I, I know what happened. I mean, I remember it, but I don't really remember it from when I was like 16 years old watching this stuff. But anyways, let's get to it. I'm going to let's just kick it off myself, John Moxley, Justin Nipper talking about UFC 254. What a show. UFC 254. Lots of really good fights and a few newsworthy moments, including Khabib Nurmagomedov saying that he is going to retire after beating Justin Gaethje by second round submission, bringing on AEW champion John Moxley and my partner Justin Nipper. John, Khabib was just a beast in the cage tonight. And I know we talked on our last show about Gaethje sort of being like the perfect uh, the perfect person to, to, to face Khabib, but Khabib was at an absolutely other level like when you were watching that, knowing you know, I know your your thoughts on Gaethje, but like at at what point did you sort of realize that this it this upset was not going to happen? Well, I started to get worried thirty seconds in. I, I'm fucking deflated. I was on it. I, I, this morning felt like a holiday. Fight started at eleven a.m. on the West Coast, where I'm at, uh, where you guys are at. So like. You know, rather than wait until 7 p.m. or 10 p.m. for the card to start, we get to start at 11 a.m. I was all hyped. It felt like a holiday this morning. My wife was watching Garfield and, and Garfield Halloween special or some shit. That's we had a, a nice one. fire going. Uh, you know, it was like a, it's a nice, cool Christmas. It felt like Christmas morning. I went. I was like, I, I went on a three and a half mile run in a nice, crisp air. I felt fucking magic in the air. I was like. Green Valley Ranch Resort Casino and Spa will be paying me a cool $1,800 at the end of today. I was all excited. And uh, 30 seconds in, Gaethje was just like, I looked like he was just moving too fast or he's, Khabib was pressuring and just, he looked like he was getting blown up real quick. And his, But I was like, okay, first round, first round's all good, you know. Second round, how good, the first round was so good. That was so exciting. Like, I already went back and watched it again. The first round was so exciting. Uh, Gage's Gage thing, he was landing the leg kicks. Khabib did catch one of them, as we talked about, but he got he uh, was able to wiggle his leg free. He tried to initiate a clinch. Gage, he got out of it. So he was defending takedowns a little bit up front. He was hitting the leg kicks up front. Uh, and, the you know, I think he wanted to slow him down with those leg kicks. Uh, he just got submitted before he got a chance to slow him down beginning of the second round he was landing the leg kicks uh but that then just that one takedown right into right onto his back right in the mount right into that uh triangle from the top which actually i just saw a gif of him using that exact same setup with the triangle in 2011 and in other promotions so that's the thing he's uh mastered it's not some new movie invented he mastered that and uh has been part of his game for Close to a decade, I guess. We just haven't seen it in the UFC. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, who the fuck, who the fuck? <laughs> I mean, if, if Justin Gage is not going to defend those takedowns, like, who the fuck would? And I think a big part of, like, Khabib's whole thing, the reason he's effective on his feet, 
the reason he's effective at anything is the fear of the takedown. And then it, it, maybe he, uh, maybe he knows, and we don't know. He's got like an extra layer of uh, fluid in his brain, like Homer Simpson when he fights Dredd Tatum, and he knows he can, he can't be knocked out and just walk forward because Khabib doesn't give a fuck. He has no fear of getting. He just can, just walks. He just walks him down no matter what. Like just constantly walking on the fence, and he never got a chance to get slowed down. And if he can't stop the takedown, then it, you know. And I think a lot of a lot of I think why he fucks everybody up and even Gaethje today is that they're just so aware of the threat of the takedown and thinking about it that it fucks up the striking, and they're also thinking about striking, so it fucks it just. Him just being like Drago, walk forward, must break you. It just mentally fucks everybody, like to where they just don't know what to fucking do. Like I almost think maybe if like the old Gaethje had showed up and went fuck it, I'm just gonna sprint at him with a fucking flying knee ninja kick and fuck it. Like that'd be the only. It's the only way to stay off the fence with Khabib because he just keeps walking forward. He doesn't give a fuck we throw at him. He doesn't circle or do it. He just walks forward. Like you almost have to sprint at him and just meet him in the middle or so. I, I'm. That's it. And, and I hate to say it, but this. And now he's retired, so we're never gonna get to see it. It's cursed anyway. I hate to even bring it up, but watching Gaethje on the ground, Gaethje tried tried his hardest to defend the takedowns. Had a little bit of success defending the takedowns. Once he got to the ground, he had no answers. No answers whatsoever. Khabib got those submissions, uh, the armbar attempt at the end of the first, and then set up that triangle with with ease. With ease. Gaethje clearly doesn't like to be on his back. He doesn't want to be on his back. He's a defensive wrestler his whole life. He's not, I don't think the back is his thing, being on his back, you know. Uh, we've never really seen him there, more than 17 seconds. I hate to say it. But the only possible guy that might have an answer, maybe, is Tony Ferguson. Because he's got the weird 10th planet off his back, throwing up triangles, darts, chokes, all that shit. Loves to be on his back. Tony Ferguson loves to play off his back. It's the only possible explanation. He, he, Connor, Dustin... If anybody could have stopped the takedowns, it was Gaethje. Nope. On your back. The only possible explanation for somebody to beat Khabib, maybe, the last remaining question is what happens if he puts Tony Ferguson on his back? And we're seemingly never going to get to see it. I would pay... I don't even need to see him in a, in a full MMA fight. Like, let's do some Metamorous bullshit. Eddie Bravo's Invitational. I just want to see those guys grapple. I just want to see what happens when Khabib takes Tony down and puts him on his back. We're never going to get to see it now, but that's the only last possible even hope of somebody catching Khabib is Tony right. on his back. I now, get, we're not, now we're not going to get to see it. I want to get Justin's thought on the finish as you know, as someone who is who is well uh, rehearsed, well rehearsed in, in jujitsu? But before that, John, I have oh, one beautiful, more. Beautiful, I, beautiful. I, I have, I have one also, more. Let me let me say, I am not bitter at all. That could be, even though I'm deflated. 
I had a whole promo ready to cut on you motherfuckers. <laughs> I, I was ready to cash in my eighteen hundred dollars. I, I but I I I love Khabib and I've been I was on Khabib's dick much like Justin Gaethje long before he was champion or, or, or anything because he had that long stretch where he was like injured and he couldn't get a fight. I've been a fan of his forever. Love watching him. It's like watching Michael Jordan in the NBA Finals when you get a chance to watch Khabib. So. I'm fully happy to see Khabib go out there and do Khabib things. I'm privileged to get to watch it, but God damn it. And you motherfuckers sitting, sitting in your, in your high towers of safety, picking Khabib, trying to look like experts, <laughs> pick the undefeated guy. Aren't you so satisfied? Aren't you so happy with yourselves? Picking Khabib. I went out on a limb. I tried to find the guy who could defeat him. I'm like the Teddy Roosevelt, uh, Quote, I'm the man in the arena with dirt in my eyes fighting a bull. I tried to pick Justin Gaethje. You don't win them all, but I tried. I hope you guys are happy with yourselves. I'm very happy with my picks. Thank you. The, this entire show was like chalk, like all, all the favorites, at least in the main card one. I didn't see. Uh, I, I, I'll have to look back. I didn't see uh, most of the, the undercard. But the question I was going to ask you was, so the the pace immediately I, I was I was watching Gaethje, and it almost looked like he had this look in his eyes as if to say, oh, shit, what did I get myself into? Yeah, because, that's what I was saying. It was like he looked like gassed in like 90 seconds. Right, because right? he was – pressure. K- Khabib's pressure was so aggressive and so intense, and he has this look on his face, and, and, and I, I'll, I'll compare it to something – um, which uh, may, maybe you guys will get a, get a kick out of this, but um, when I'm like six years old and like Rocky Balboa is my hero, and I watch Rocky three, and Mr. T is portrayed as this gigantic badass, and he's you know he's he's looking in the character you know looking in the camera just his his uh, his face he doesn't smile it's all mean, and I'm looking at Khabib going like oh my god I am nervous for Justin and I picked Khabib to win this fight but I'm nervous for Justin because I see this look in his eye which is like what like uh, this is even worse than I thought it was going to be and look Justin did you know I think you know I I listened to some of his post-fight stuff and he's kind of patting himself on the back as if to say you know at least I got in there and at least I tested this guy and I hit this guy a couple of times and threw some leg kicks where it buckled him but he just walked through it. And so at that point, you know, it, it, you're you're watching Justin and I just felt like like there there like something happened, you know, maybe it was 30 seconds in like you said, where his idea of what this fight was going to be absolutely changed and you saw it in the corner after the first round because the corner his his, uh, his corner when he, they were talking to him was like you need to calm down. <laughs> like you cannot fight with you know with your heart rate you know just going nuts but but like what what could he do there wasn't anything he could have done to change what was eventually going to happen khabib is just that good and all the things that we said in the last show where gaethje his style and his style of wrestling and maybe it could like there was i can't think of any game plan that would have worked tonight on this version of Khabib, he was absolutely dominant. 
Yeah, he never he never generated any offense. He didn't get it. He landed, I think, one shot. He needed something to stop Khabib from just walking in, and I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if he thought. The first round, it's like I'm fine with. Okay, you're, you're figuring it out. Like you know, okay, this is what this is what it feels like in here with him. You know, second round, thirty seconds in, I, I did watch it twice. He's he's landing those kicks. One of them looked like it hurt Khabib, and that would have slowed him down. You know, and but he just never got. And then once the takedown happened, it's done. You know, like he was on the ground, it's over. Like if he'd have been able to generate a little more offense early, maybe he could have slowed it down. But he just never, he never got out of the. He really never got out of the shoot. Really. All right, Justin, can you walk us through the end of this fight? So, Khabib gets a takedown. He quickly uh, looks to set up. A triangle, but there's there, there there's the arm inside there, and it looks like Gaethje tapped about four times before the referee even realized that he was tapping it, and he was he was about to go out by the time the the the, uh, the fight was actually stopped. But what can, can you walk us through kind of the the uh, the submission attempt there? So from what I recall, it was about a minute and a half into the what second round, and. Khabib caught Justin Gaethje and he took his back really quickly, like without even thinking. He 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 jumped into that back position like he was throwing a punch. It was so quick. Gaethje, um, he smartly turned into him to avoid the choke. But one, I think it was his left arm that was kind of up over his head. His arm was kind of there for the taking. And Khabib saw it. He took it, but he went the other way turn to the other side, expose the other arm. So you can expose it for an arm bar, but he swung it around. He figure forward his legs. He locked it in really deep. He took his uh, foot, clamped it down extra, got it right into the, uh, what is like the, the crotch of his knee. And, and he was out. And like you said, he did tap like four times. I don't, I, I don't know how the referee didn't see it. It was pretty clear to me and it was clear on television, but I think he did pass out for a second. He was out briefly but one thing i don't know if we got a chance to talk about this because this came out in the press conference maybe 20 30 minutes ago but according to two judges uh justin gates you won that first round he won two to one wow uh, yeah well, he, was, he was landing he was landing leg kicks yeah and i was surprised at how uh how long khabib stayed on his feet he stayed up in the first round on his feet for most of it, for like 90% of that until I think the last 30 seconds he shot in. But I expected this to go to the ground a lot more quickly. Um, also, Dana White announced, did you guys catch that? Khabib went into this fight with a broken foot and two broken toes. What the hell? Yeah, I have to read some details on that. I was just pulling that up, but he announced it in the uh, press conference that just happened. We're doing this right after the show, so there's news coming out including the retirement stuff that he talked about. But um, yeah, he had a broken foot and uh, he, I guess that happened in training three weeks ago. Um, there, there's details coming out about that that are probably being posted right now. But yeah, Dana said that uh, he had a broken foot. Khabib don't so, give a fuck. He didn't show any of that pain. He don't but give I, a fuck. Did you guys notice he had some uh, tape on his toes? I'm like, okay, that makes sense. He had some tape on his toes. They were taped together. So he didn't sell it like he was in pain. I mean, and Gaethje, according to the cards, he won that first round. I don't know how many rounds Khabib has dropped in total ever. 
So that's something. That, I mean, that, that's why I picked him. Gaethje, my official pick was Gaethje by decision. Was that he'd be able to defend the takedowns just enough to get to where the third round and he's up. So for about 90 seconds or so, that that's like a tiny microcosm of what I was predicting the fight to look like. But uh, Khabib, Khabib's going to Khabib, man. You know, I mean, it's like, how are you going to Justin Gaethje? Like you said, he's an all American wrestler. And he's making him look like he's not an all-American wrestler. So when you look at it on a paper and you watch him fight, you go, who else could really take him out seriously? And and on the feet, if the feet stayed on the feet today, Gacy would have hung in there. That's his bread and butter. I didn't understand. I wanted to see what you guys thought of this. In the corner, Garrett, you were talking about it earlier. His corner man said, don't get lazy, even though he told him to... Uh, to um, to slow down, but don't get lazy. I didn't really get that. What did you guys pick up on? Did you, I didn't think he was lazy, but um, what did you guys interpret from that? I couldn't tell you. Maybe he's, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe throwing a lazy kick or something. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and, and that that's exactly what John said is what I thought because this, the, the, he was flustered. the end of the fight, the takedown comes from the kick, right? Like the, the takedown, which ends in the submission. I think it comes right off of a kick. And it's, a, you know, I, I would I would imagine if you're Khabib, that's what you're trying to time when when, when you decide that that's what that that that, that you're going to go for the takedown is you're timing, you know, the leg kick. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I, I think we'd have to know exactly what the game plan was that that they were doing. Let's take a quick break from our UFC 254 recap so we can talk about our sponsor. Indeed. So Indeed. Dot com, number one job, uh, number one job site in the world, because Indeed gets the best people for you and your business fast. They give you full control, full payment flexibility over your own hiring. You only pay what you need, and you can pause your account at any time. And there are no long-term contracts. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. So right now, Indeed is offering the listeners of the Fight Game Podcast a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer Available anywhere. So go right now, indeed.com. Front slash blue wire. Offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Back to the UFC 254 recap. So, okay, so here, here's another question. And, and John, we'll start with you. Khabib announces his retirement. His mom doesn't want him to fight anymore without his father in his corner. From every from what I see from MMA guys, it sounds like this is legit. Though you know, if, if there's a, a Connor fight for you know twenty million dollars, I would assume that he would definitely be in the mix for that. But what did you gather from the retirement announcement in a sport where they use retirement or the word retirement as sort of a leverage tool for for more money? How did you take Khabib's retirement? A little, a little different than most. Different than, like, say, Henry Cejudo, Henry Cejudo's retirement. 
because I think Khabib is a man of his word. This is a very, I mean, you look at his, his fights, listen to him, his training. He's a, a dedicated uh, Muslim. Uh, this is a disciplined man. Discipline. Uh, that's a trademark of his career and why he's uh, the champion that he is. So when he says, I'm going to retire, or he says whatever he says, he means it. And uh, I think, you know, but the, the thing is, though, I think he definitely feels today that he is retiring now. And he's done, and the pressure's off, and he's 29-0, and 0, and he's the greatest ever, and he's gone. But in two years, does he get bored? Does he get that competitive itch? Because he's an athlete and a competitor. Does he get, like, an itch to come back that he – I mean, I truly believe he feels he's retiring. But in two years from now, if he gets bored, maybe he sees – thinks of an opportunity. Maybe, maybe he just wants to get back in the cage. So, like, it, that could definitely happen. Or he might – even if that's the case – even if he did have an itch to get back in the cage, he might just say, "No, I'm going to stick to my word, and I'm going to I'm going to stay retired." So it's it's impossible to say. Although I I take Khabib at his word because he's got to believe that he beats McGregor ten times out of ten, right? Just from a Styles matchup. So if Dana was like, "Hey, you know, we got this fight. Connor really wants it. You know, this is easy money for him." I, I, I could I see that enticing him to because he probably just thinks like, okay, like that that is not that hard of a fight for me, and it's the biggest money fight he could do. I don't think he's fighting Connor unless he's got some kind of financial issue and needs a big payday. I, from what I understand, I don't know how this is true. I feel like he's like a gajillionaire from all his <laughs> other from what from what I've heard. You know, yeah, I mean, he's yeah, such a he's big, probably very well such a big star in Russia and all over the world and stuff. So. It, I think it's almost more of a – I almost kind of don't – as much as I would love to see it, I almost kind of like that he's like, no, I'm not going to fucking fight Connor again. Yeah. Because he's like, fuck that guy. He threw a fucking dolly at a bus. He injured people. He got glass in people's eyes. You know, like, fuck him. He thinks he's a he thinks he's a piece of shit. He's like, no, fuck you. Like, I already beat your ass, knocked you – fucking beat you on the feet, knocked you down, choked you out. Like, it's done. It's done. And uh, I think that's how he feels. And – uh. I mean, could it happen? But, like, I don't think he wants to give Connor any more attention. Mm-hmm. I think he's like, nope, fight's over. I already beat your ass. Like, the, it, it's almost more of a kind of a fucking gangster move to not fight him. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, oh, yeah, we fought and I whooped your ass. And now you get now you get no more attention. You get no more press. You get nothing. You know? I, I do worry, though, if Connor goes on the offensive to get him back out. I, I worry a little bit about. <laughs> you know Connor's restraint ability to uh, to restrain himself from from the low blows and stuff. But Justin, you know, did did you take sort of something similar as John when it when it came to that retirement announcement? Oh yeah, I mean Khabib isn't like a lot of other fighters. When he says something that's serious, like I'm going to retire, like John said, at least in his mind, he's going to retire for the time being. I don't I don't think he said retire flat out. I don't remember exactly what he said, but he said something like. I'm done fighting, which, you know, whatever. But who knows what's going to happen two years from now? If you told me what was going to happen in 2020 happened just in general, <laughs> I wouldn't have believed you. And I don't, there aren't any like stakes like that in my life. And it, it's like that. So 
in two years, three years, who knows? And he's not American. He doesn't live in America. He lives in, uh, in Dagestan. He lives in Russia. And I, it wouldn't surprise me to see him popping up, at least showing his face uh, for like Akhmat championships, absolute Akhmat, the, the guy from Chechnya, his company is very popular. Russian companies like M1 would sure would love to have him. And he's a much bigger draw in a place like Russia, where his last fight drew like 28 million people. And I'm, I'm really curious to see how many people watch this fight in Russia today, because this was a lot bigger. So he's huge as a celebrity. He, I can't imagine, like he has money. And if he doesn't have money, he has, you know, government people that are celebrating him. He's, as far as that go, he's secure. I think it's more about his his integrity and his uh, his legacy as a fighter. He takes it really seriously, and it's really cool to see that. And it's cool that he shut down uh, the Connor stuff, in my opinion, because I'm really sick of you know. It's like if I'm going to watch that, I'm going to watch AEW. I watch pro wrestling. You know, if you're going to watch pro wrestling, just watch pro wrestlers do it. Because Connor, he lost. He went and did boxing, and he and he did his stuff. And listen, could be moved on. Khabib, if that feels like it's in the rear window already. And now that he's retired, it's just like what he does. I don't know what he's going to do in the future. I feel that he's at least going to take a break, but I don't feel like uh, his story is going one way and Connors is going the other way. We'll see him with Poirier, I think. I think that's his next goal. But his story is going to take a different turn. Khabib's will. I don't know if they'll ever meet again. I don't I don't think so. I, I don't think he likes all the trash talk and all the insults and all that. Like, I don't. I don't think he likes that. I think he wants to like his opponent and respect his opponent and it's a sport. And I don't think, I don't think he liked the way all that stuff with Connor made him feel from what he says. And I don't think he wants to get into another one of those situations. I mean, I think here's, Oh, go ahead. Here's the thing. The first thing I said is like, okay, as soon as he said he was retiring is tomorrow morning, the talk will be two things. One, everybody's going to talk about him fighting Connor or whatever for what we just talked about. And number two, they're going to be talking about a GSP fight. Talk about Khabib versus GSP. Because he is 29-0. and 0. And maybe that nice round number 30 is uh, intriguing to him. And to be the absolute greatest ever pound for pound Maybe the if like if the all the uh, details are right in the contract and all the situation is perfect and GSP signs it and they put it in front of Khabib, maybe six months or a year from now after he's had a chance to think about it for a minute, is that intriguing to him or does he just stick with no I'm done I'm retired, promise my mother I'm done, I I, I have no idea yeah but it's too soon pe- to tell. but people are gonna be wanting to. And that and that becomes more intriguing, you know, because who who the fuck else is he going to fight? Like you you got you got to go the weird bring the legend out of retirement route to find somebody who's going to who could possibly be, you know, and, and the greatest game planner of all time with uh, John Donaher to create this game plan to solve the unsolvable puzzle that is Khabib. I mean, I don't know. I don't even know if GSP wants to fight again. You know, I, now I'm feeding into all this crap. <laughs> now I'm doing it. I mean, but, it's a good story. I, I, just, I just know people are going to be talking about this. So, you know. I mean, you know, theoretically, that there was talk about Khabib. Uh, you know, people said, you know, 
if he wins, this will be his last fight at 155 because it's just too hard for him to make that weight. So there are other possibilities at 170. Like he could have some great matchups with guys at 170. But uh, but yeah, see, so, you know that stuff is out there. You know there are these dream fights that are out there. If I'm GSP, I hold out for about fifty million dollars in order to get in with this guy. But so here here's the quote that uh, Justin alluded to earlier. So Mark Ramondi. Uh, ESPN's Mark Ramondi says uh, Dana White's quote what this guy has been through we are all lucky that we got to see him fight tonight apparently he was in the hospital and he broke his foot three weeks ago so he has two broken toes and a bone in his foot that's broken that's what his corner told me so if that doesn't add to the legend uh, I don't know what will and then and then Connor said Good performance. I will carry on. Respect and condolences on your father again. Also to you and family, yours sincerely, the McGregors. I I can't imagine that's the uh, last tweet we'll see from Conor McGregor. No, about he'll, get drunk. he'll get drunk and start talking <laughs> shit. <laughs> Drinking some proper 12. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have one more question before we kind of get to the rest of the show. And this is an interesting question, and obviously, we don't really have time to reflect. Khabib just announced his retirement today after this fight. But I think a good question is, is where does he fit in the GOAT of MMA argument? So about, uh, gosh, this was earlier this year sometime. So five months ago, uh, Amanda Nunez won her last fight, and this this conversation about who is the MMA GOAT came up. You know, where does Amanda fit into that? And so on our website, fightgamemedia.com, you know, I polled a bunch of people in our in our Facebook group. And the way that the rankings sorted out were that George St. Pierre was one, John Jones was two, Anderson Silva was three, and I think uh, Amanda Nunez and Fedor sort of kind of followed uh, below that. But I, I do think that a lot of people sort of had the idea that, you know, John Jones failed tests. So thus he, you know, he gets a little bit of a demerit and GSP didn't fail a test. So he didn't get that demerit. So that's kind of how that came out. But the question is now, if you add Khabib to this list, maybe he doesn't have the same impressive wins as some of these guys do. But uh, Daniel Cormier had mentioned on the show after this fight was over that even John Jones had a he made a mistake he he threw an illegal elbow and and he lost a fight because of that I don't think most people even consider that when they're talking about the greatest of all time but he said that Khabib doesn't even have that like he he doesn't even have that one mistake when it comes to who's the greatest of all time I don't even know if we're like sort of present to that conversation. But since, you know, we're just coming off of the show, we just saw a great win. Where does Khabib fit, John? Where, where do you think he fits in this greatest of all time argument? Uh, I'm not really big on, on the greatest of all time arguments in general and in, in anything. Because a lot of these situations are just like apples and oranges. And like, how do you rank? Like, like, how do you say like John Jones is better than Amanda Nunes? This is like apples and oranges. Mm-hmm. Two different weight classes, two different things. It's like, 
super subjective. It's just you. You're, like, you're, there's nothing to measure. You can't actually measure what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean the only the only way you can measure shit like that is like if three dudes in the same weight class at the same time period all fought each other and one of the three beat both guys. Okay, then that guy's the greatest in that particular conversation. But when you start talking about like a Fedor and Amanda Nunes or Anderson Silva and Khabib, it's like, well, what the fuck are we even talking about here? Like, how do you, you know, uh, I mean, you, as far as like sh- the strength of the guys they've beaten, I mean, let me think. Jones beat fucking Cormier twice, Shogun. He beat Machida, Rashad Evans. Shad. Like, Jones beat, I mean, Jones cleaned pretty much everybody out, you know, right? Like, yeah, Absolutely. Anyway. Uh, but so did Silva. Amanda beat Ronda and Cyborg, who was like who are like the two biggest female MMA names ever. And she beat Holly Holm, and she beat everybody fucking else. I don't know they're all great. I don't. I don't even know how you could compare. I think. I think it's just one pool of like extraordinarily great fighters. And if and now Khabib gets thrown in that pool, and he's okay. So, so you think he he, he, he gets he gets to hang out at the party with all the. All the greatest of all times. So you would put him in the upper tier. If you if we had a UFC Hall of Fame and at the top tier is GSP and John Jones, you would put him and there's Anderson Silva. You would put him in that top tier. Yeah, he gets to hang out at the party with those guys. Because what argument against him do you have? There's none. Unless you say like somebody there's there somebody that he didn't completely fucking whoop their ass. Because he's he's barely lost a minute of, or barely lost a round in his whole, you know. I mean, he's just completely dominant. So, and, and he's faced like in Connor, Dustin, Gaethje, uh, Edson Barboza, fucking like he's fucking dominated a lot of dudes who are pretty good and done it all the same way just completely flawless performances every single time like so i mean he, i think he's definitely uh he gets into the he gets into the room he gets to hang out at the party with the goats justin where, where do you fit with that conversation oh for sure he's gonna be up there in the whatever you call it hall of fame the goats the goat lobby but i think his most important i don't know you know i don't know how somebody could come up tomorrow and be amazing like that Chimaev guy and we might be talking about him next year who knows so as far as best who knows but I think one the most important thing he did as far as like bringing something to MMA is I think he really elevated Sambo Russian Sambo made it a really serious part of MMA I mean you hear Dagestani handcuff as like a a normal kind of call on tons of broadcasts now and it's like He's one of those people who really brought it to, I guess you could say mainstream or brought it to TV. He fights in a way that a lot of other fighters from his area, but also all over the world, they're kind of adapting to that style where it's not pure jujitsu that he's using. He's using really technical, tactical jujitsu and he's mixed the way he strikes. He doesn't strike like a Muay Thai fighter. He strikes his strike. His striking, uh, I guess, arsenal is based on his grappling. And you see a lot more fighters 
you know, it's a setup. It's a, it's a whole formula that he set up to win his fights. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that approach, that, that extreme, like he's a tactician, he's a warrior. And I think a lot of people are thinking about fights that way. So I think that's like kind of what he brings. Like his legacy kind of brings that. His fighting style is uniquely Khabib. And everybody, the way they talk about him, they talk about him like once he gets a hold of you on the cage, you can't move. I think Daniel Cormier or somebody said, it's like you're in mud. Um, that feeling, if you ever grapple this, you can easily relate to that feeling. It's just when somebody can't move you, even though they're only 155, it's great technique plus insane strength. I think we'll remember him for for his fighter, his fighting spirit, if you yeah, will. And uh, his uh, innovation. Right. With the way he wraps the legs up and traps the hands and knocks out the posts. and uh, It's like he didn't like learn, you know, it's not like an MMA fighter who like, oh, I went and learned some jiu-jitsu and then tried to apply it into the – it's like, no, he like invented his own style of grappling off of the grappling skills that he has acquired through his life. It's like he kind of invented his own style. And it, like if somebody – if you saw somebody else doing that, you would say, oh, that's – he's doing the Khabib shit. Absolutely. Like the, yeah, like it, it's a clear thing. I'm a big – I love uh, – that's another reason why I love watching Khabib. I love specialists. Because I feel like it makes the matchups more intriguing. Like, who wants to watch two well-rounded fighters? That, and then they have a three-round decision. No, I like yeah. a, I like a specialist. I like like a, like a Ben Askren, a Damian Maya, or like the Diaz brothers. How they like invented their own style to suit their strengths. They have this like triath. They don't have knockout power, but they have jujitsu and this like triathlon cardio so they push the pace and they invented kind of invented or popularized that like wear you out with the they broke compu strike or whatever Mauro Ronaldo said you know that the like the Diaz style I don't you know what I'm talking about absolutely it's, it's and, like and a wrestler like, style yeah it's just you have your own way of doing your thing in the octagon and yeah like what Khabib has done he's created his own style I love a I love a specialist because it makes things intriguing you know uh so and, and nobody's ever nobody's ever figured him out. But, you know, and I think I think I really hit me today watching is just like I think a big part of what makes him so fucking effective and why he can walk people down like that is just the threat of the takedown. It's like and I, like I didn't think it would happen to Gaethje. Gaethje didn't have the look of discouragement that everybody else had, but it was a look of being like flustered and like what the fuck's going on, like because. Like the threat of the takedown just makes it like he can do anything. Come at you with a jumping bicycle knee and just throw punches. He can do whatever. Like it's like he's he he mind fucks. Like his last few fights is like he's mind fucked his opponent to the point where like they become helpless. Yeah, like you were saying, it, he it didn't really look like it. But if you watch his footwork, Justin Gates, he had no escape. Every every time he tried to cut a corner, somehow. Khabib followed him. His will was just like stuck to him. There was no way he was going to outrun or out um, find an angle where he can catch Khabib. Khabib shut that down really quick. Yeah, but, in um, 29 fights, nobody's caught him. Like, like, I mean, look at Gaethje. His style was come straight forward. And that was, the big, that was the big knock on him. Was it like one day he's going to get fucking knocked out? And then he ended up finally losing twice in UFC because he just kept coming forward. But like Khabib does nothing but come forward and what he walks right in like and yet somehow nobody's ever caught him 
And because I, it, it's crazy. I think it's a mind fuck. Like you said, I, th- yeah. I think it's his will. He's just not going to let this go. It, this is his, like he's zoned in, he's locked in. There's no is, outside interference in his head. He's It there. is also the fear of something that hasn't happened yet. Because like John said, his, his, uh, his ability to take you down, ha- you have that in the back of your mind. And so your entire game plan is based on the idea that if I do this incorrectly, I'm going to get taken down. So in a sense, it's almost like I have to fight perfectly in order to win this fight. And when you go into it with that sort of mentality, I, I can imagine how that could be, uh, you know, uh, 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 something screwing with your mind in that sense. Yeah, um, it's like he, ma- he makes it impossible to impose your will upon him because you're, you're, Justin was reactive the whole fight. He makes it impossible to to do your thing. Like when he fought uh, Ally Quinta, first three rounds, he could the shit out of him. After in the last two rounds, a lot of people were like trying to act like there was some kind of uh, fault in his game or whatever, because the last two rounds were all standing. But in the press conference afterward, Khabib said, I wanted to feel what it's like to fight five rounds. I wanted to get in there and feel this to fight in a championship fight. I just wanted to feel what five rounds is like. So I Quinta, and he's just pumping out the jab. It's it's not, he's just kind of, it's basically just jabbing him for two rounds. And I Quinta's just like moving around and has the same look on his face that everybody else has. And because even when the last two rounds, even when Khabib was completely mentally committed to, I'm just going to stand with him for a couple rounds just to feel what it's like. The threat of the takedown is such, and he'd already been dragged to the ground for three whole rounds. The threat of the takedown is such that, like, Iaquinta can't do shit. And all he's doing is just jabbing him. If Iaquinta knew that he was committed to standing this entire time, maybe he would have, like, uh, turned up the pressure or something. But, like, the threat of the takedown is always there. Just, like, it, it, neg- it makes it, like, you can't do anything. You can't strike. You can't do shit. Like, Khabib is the man, Right. He's the man. That's that's the conclusion we've come to. Khabib is the man. <laughs> and he's retiring on top, apparently. Yeah. All right. So uh, let let's we're going to talk about the rest of the fights uh, on this show. There were five uh, uh, other uh, you know really fun fights. Um, but before we do that, we want to get to our pro wrestling question of the show, sponsored by Bet Online. So this is related to to what we just saw and. Kind of a two-parter again, uh, which is, John, out of guys you've been in the ring with in the rest of the pro wrestling ring, or people who you know, uh, you know, just from your viewing as a fan, who do you think could have been a, a really good MMA fighter? Obviously, Brock, Brock Lesnar, Matt Riddle, they've already done it, so they're, they're kind of out of the mix, but just someone who's never done pro wrestling who you've seen or maybe you've even uh you know worked with who do you think has who do you think would have been a, a pretty good mma fighter uh but i mean uh a bunch of guys come to mind uh swag fighting in a couple of days for Beltor. i'm excited about that uh, um i mean chad gable olympic level wrestler one time uh I never got to get in the ring with Chad Gable. That was one guy uh, would really like to wrestle, but uh, I think I think the world of him. But uh, one time we were doing like an eight man tag dark match, 
like after Raw goes off the air, you have to do like the dark match for the main. Because if the if TV ends on a sad note, you want to send the crowd home happy and have all the good guys win. So we're doing like the uh, like an eight man tag, and like somebody put a bet on like how many times Chad Gable could take down the Miz, and it. <laughs> He was doing some shit. He got him up in like a body lock and did some inverted Olympic bridging shit. I mean, it was like some of the most like watching him just completely toy with a man. Just that Olympic level wrestling was just like so impressive. So I'm sure he could have he could definitely throw some motherfuckers around for sure. And Chad Gable would be probably number one that uh number one that came to mind. So uh, in a similar note. When you're growing up, obviously you're you're you know you're you're pro wrestling, but did did it ever cross your mind as far as doing you know you're such a big fan uh, as far as doing MMA did did that ever cross your mind you know when you were younger or maybe even you know when you got into into wrestling a little bit older were you ever interested in that? Uh, not so much because I was I just, I like pro wrestling you know so I, I've been in that and you know I like training and everything and. Uh, at this point, I know, I'll turn 35 before the end of the year. Like nobody needs to see that, you know. <laughs> nobody, nobody's gonna pay to see that. But you do, you do enjoy training it, so you see the value in in uh, in some of that stuff as far as your own game. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, back in the day, I used to train. Uh, I used to train at this place called Saken Martial Arts when I first started doing jujitsu. It was like uh, before I moved to Philly. And strangely, it was with a guy named uh, trained with this guy named Josh Rafferty, who actually is uh, Jake Hager's head coach now. Oh yeah, he, I remember. Like he, a, he was in one of yeah, the early Ultimate Fighters, right? Yeah, he was on the first season of Ultimate yeah. Fighter. So, uh, and uh, he did a little bit of pro wrestling. So I, we trained him in a little bit of pro wrestling, and uh, he was just coming off of that season of Ultimate Fighter. And this is back in the days, you know, I was a young swinging bachelor, you know, 21 or two or something or whatever. Uh, we'd hit the town and uh, he, he was the man in Cincinnati for a minute. You know, I, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I can't tell you any, uh, I can't, can't reveal any more about those stories, but uh, yeah, he, uh, he was the man. He was a local man around town uh, back in those days. One last break to talk about Bet Online. Football is back in full swing. And as you're listening to this, maybe you're listening to it in the morning, right before football Sunday is beginning. Maybe you're listening, maybe you're not a football fan, you're listening to it uh, during the games that are going on, or maybe even after. But, you know, whenever you are listening to this, cross your fingers. For my San Francisco 49ers, I know, I know they. You know, we've had a lot of success in the past, but you know, it it has been like, gosh, it's been you know over 20 years, 25 years since we won a Super Bowl. Last year we went back, but this year it's been injury city. Everybody's hurt, so just you know, just 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 help me unjinx them. Uh, it's it's been a, it's been a rough one, uh, so. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. 
Uh, get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today. Take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. But don't forget to use that promo code BLUEWIRE. You guys know that promo code at betonline.ag. BLUEWIRE, all in one word. Bet Online, your online sports book Ex- experts. Let's close out the UFC 254 recap. All right, so uh, let's let's move on and let's talk about the show. But before uh, we do, we did a uh, ESPN has a UFC pickums group, and so we all put our picks in. Uh, and this is exclusively for the uh, Fight Game Podcast Facebook group. So if you're interested in picking against us, you know, join the group and and uh, and you'll sort of you'll you'll see how you can get in. But uh, so for our picks, uh, there was a bunch of people who who got whatever the, the point system. Uh, they had ninety six percent correct, and which gave them one hundred twenty points. Uh, they're leading. Uh, it looks like I am in thirteenth place with ninety points, and then uh, John is in ninth place with a hundred points. And Justin would be in 17th place with 80 points. So if you want to pick against us, join the uh, Fight Game Podcast Facebook group. We got like 20, we had like 20, I don't know, 26 or something people in there. So kind of kind of a, an interesting thing to do as, you, as you're watching all of these shows, you know. They have a, they have a couple of little fun bets. Uh, like I think there was like, a, what is the overall number of strikes in the main event so you had to pick and i based my pick off of like well i think this thing's gonna go a little long so unfortunately for me it did not go long and it probably was like a quarter of the number of strikes that i picked but join the group if you want to get in on those picks i think we're gonna try and do them pretty much every weekend of a ufc show so there's gonna be a lot of shows especially with those fight nights where i have absolutely no idea who the fighter is and she's gonna have to guess so okay let's talk about this let's talk about the whole show here um we'll start with the first fight we've talked a lot about the main event so we probably don't have to circle back but overall i i loved it i thought this show was really fun i was so intrigued and you know when we do these preview shows all of a sudden because i'm doing research and i'm, I'm kind of like you know we're making these picks i get really invested in the fight and i found myself you know way invested in this show you know just looking at okay you know winners and losers and you know i had some money on uh you know we called her shack lilia shakarova and so i was really invested in her and you know she lost lauren murphy lauren murphy just you know she kind of schooled her in a sense so the entire show i was so into all the way into the main event. So I, 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 you know, I actually like doing the previews, not only because they're fun, you know, we get John's thoughts on, on stuff. And, and, you know, as far as the feedback is concerned, lots of people are entertained with these shows, but also because it makes it so that I'm even more invested in a product that I really enjoy. And the UFC's done a great job in this, uh, in this pandemic. But, uh, you know, we had the first fight, which was Kudalaba and uh, Ankalev, Ankalev, in a rematch of a fight that was stopped very prematurely and it didn't go any differently for Kudalaba than that first fight, even with the, the early stoppage, he took quite a beating. He had a, he had a couple of shots that, that, you know, that, that looked okay, but otherwise this was a complete domination. John, what'd you think about Ankaleev's performance? 
I like him. He was all business, calm, all business promo. Knew he had to set this one straight. Fought an unranked guy when he's ranked, which is risky, but just went in there and handled business, all business. I, you know, look, he's a right. Looks like he could be a rising star. Like all good, you know. No, just pretty straightforward. You know, came yeah, there, got the job done. It, it wasn't outside of the fact that they didn't start the fight like a sprint like the last one. I mean, it was pretty similar the way that it ended. And unfortunately for Kudalaba, because that first fight ended the way that it did, he took some punches on the ground that probably he didn't need to take because of the the referee wanted to make sure that this fight was going to be conclusive. And, and it was quite conclusive. I felt a little badly because of that for him. But um, Justin, any any other thoughts on this one? Uh, it was pretty straightforward. Uh, Ankaleev did a little uh, the dang a da dang a da dang. But by the end of the first round, Kutalaba was out. I don't think Kutalaba probably should have been fighting. It seems like so. Uh, good luck to Ankaleev going forward. He looked good. Yeah, he looked really good. He looks like a, he looks like a guy, right? He to me, not sure he can necessarily step in for a title shot tomorrow, but he definitely looks like a, a top guy, a top guy to keep your eye on as far as that division is concerned. He looked excellent. Uh, as I mentioned, the heartbreak of, of, of my day, Lilia Shakarova against Lauren Murphy. A, I didn't realize how strong Murphy was. She was so strong in comparison to Shakarova, and I guess they were saying that Shakarova like made some comments about Murphy's age and you know her being a little bit on the older side, and so it was like that grown woman strength. But outside of a, a couple of early early things that had happened, like there was a spinning back fist that Shakarova just missed, and like Murphy didn't even react. I don't even know if she saw it coming. She was just very you know very lucky that it didn't hit her right in the face. But other than that, like you know. There was some kicks here and there, but this was kind of, this was, I'm not going to compare it to the main event, but when it comes to the idea of like, you know, Murphy just so aggressive, closing off the octagon and Shakarova having to fight so defensively, that was the story of this fight. And at the end, I just, you know, my, my analysis was like, okay, that was a dumb that was a dumb pick for me because you had a veteran against someone who doesn't have that much experience and the strength overall was just so much of a factor that, you know, I felt a little bit foolish trying to pick the upset, but you know, like, like John said earlier in the show, you know, sometimes you try to pick some upsets and, and you try to see things that other people aren't seeing. Cause it's so easy just to pick favorites. And this was mine where I was like, ah, you know, I, I kind of see this one coming. And unfortunately for me, it was a bad pick. But John, any thoughts on uh, Murphy's uh, domination here? I don't ever feel bad for yourself for picking an underdog. You know, that's what that's what dreams are made of, man. <laughs> that's where the magic comes from. That's why this is entertaining. Uh, now, nah, Lauren Murphy stuffed the takedowns. She's trying to wrestle her. Didn't work. Uh, and she was talking some shit before the fight. Saying she's gonna go right after Shevchenko and all that, and then you got a, uh, you got choked, babe. Sorry, sorry to say. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Lauren Murphy, great music pick by the way. Come out to "Bad to the Bone" by George Thorogood and the Destroyers. Excellent music choice. Measured, calm, sick body lock. 
rear naked choke, and the excellent promo afterward. Uh, not going crazy or anything, calling everybody out, but basically, very matter of factly, said she wants to fight for the title next. And uh, she thanked the fucking hotel. <laughs> she thanked the the cab drivers. She thanked the uh, TSA security at Abu Dhabi. She's just very. I I was like, man, I really like Lauren Murphy. That is, a, she's just a nice lady. She just seems like a very pleasant. I wish she was my next door neighbor. And I, I want to see her fight for the title, just based on that promo alone. I I, I liked her. Couldn't have gone any better for her. Uh, our MMA guy, Ryan uh, Frederick, when we were doing our preview, he told me that, you know, because of the change in uh, an opponent, originally that fight was kind of going to create the next title fight. But then because they changed the opponent in Calvillo, uh, you know, she, she got sick, so she couldn't she couldn't fight that he thought that that was going to change the idea of her as an exponent. So like you said, in her interview, her post fight interview, she was selling the idea that she deserves this championship fight. Probably, you know, she has the same information as Ryan, as far as, you know, that they, they weren't automatically going to give that to her. So I thought that was a really smart interview exactly for that reason. Uh, Justin, any thoughts, you know, pretty simple rear naked, you know, nothing. She didn't really have to do much. Uh, uh, Shakarova just kind of fell right into her plan. Yeah, that was a it was an awesome rear naked choke. It was beautiful. It was so deeply set in. Uh, I, I like Shakarova's um, rash guard, like the t-shirt kind of jujitsu style. Cool. It was her birthday a couple days ago. Bummer. She lost. The promo that Lauren Murphy cut after, like John said, was awesome. It was pure white meat baby face stuff. She, like, how can you not like her after that? And and she kicked ass, too. So, yeah, good short fight. Sucks for Shakaroga, but hey, Laura Murphy, good stuff. So the next fight was Phil Hawes. We talked about Hawes in our preview show. He's had sort of an up-and-down career. Very top prospect, Juco uh, wrestler, top-level Juco wrestler. Comes to... Uh, the Ultimate Fighter loses, then comes to the Dana White Contender Series and gets obliterated, and then comes back to the Contender Series and wins. And so now you have him in a fight with uh, one of Robert Whitaker's training, or I guess his main training partner. And Phil Hawes came out like a bolt of lightning, throws a right hand that catches uh, Malcoon over right over the left ear, Malcoon gets knocked crazy and he just jumps right on top of him, uh, finishes him with punches. 18 second knockout for Phil Hawes. What'd you see in Hawes, John? I missed the whole fight. I was taking a piss. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, luckily, I saw the whole fight on the replay. They replayed it, all, it like four yeah, times. It only times. lasted 18 seconds. I didn't know nothing about this guy. I didn't even pick this fight because I was not familiar enough with either. Uh, guys to give an educated pick but i wish i would have studied this guy because he's got some serious power and uh guy you're gonna be watching going forward because he can he can starch motherfuckers yeah justin uh, anything else to add in an 18 second i mean in the words of booker t he's looking real jacked baby he is (laughs) huge he came out like he said like he bolted at um malcoon and destroyed him and that was it I don't even think Malcoon landed a punch, did he? 
I don't think so. But he didn't even really have a chance, right? Like, it barely got he, started. He was, on, he was on the defense like immediately, back against the cage pretty quickly. And I loved uh, Phil Haw's like, poise after this. He was so cool, cool as a cucumber, just giving the interview, like, yep, just do my job, I'm ready, that's it. And it's like, this dude looks like Universal Soldier. So it's cool to see uh, that juxtaposition of this big jack dude who just destroyed a guy, and his heart rate was probably, you know, it seemed like it was at 80. So I look forward to seeing more of him in the future. Yeah, and you missed uh, right before this. We had the Anderson Silva, Uriah Hall. I was actually going to make that point. Yeah, totally. Which I did see. I was not in the bathroom for. But that got me all hyped up. Potentially uh, Anderson Silva's last fight against uh, Uriah Hall. Who I I want Uriah Hall to be really good because – when he wins, it's usually in super impressive Street Fighter Mortal Kombat fashion. So that uh, I'm looking forward to that. You you made uh, the Uriah Hall comment. And so when I was thinking about Phil Hawes, not to say that he was the same prospect uh, as Uriah Hall, because Uriah Hall, we didn't know about him. And then he's on our television and he's supposed to be, you know, the, this great fighter. But Phil Hawes, in a, in a different way, was kind of a similar prospect. You know, maybe didn't have all the visibility, didn't have, you know, the TV show uh, because he didn't do as well on the TV show. But sort of similar in that way where I was like, wow, you know, I imagine Uriah Hall and Phil Hawes probably have a lot in common as it pertains to, you know, they were supposed to be these really, really top level prospects and their careers didn't necessarily get there. But now, you know, Hawes, you see Hawes, and you're like, oh, wow, like to to most people, Hawes is a new guy because they don't really know the story. We know Uriah Hall's story because we've watched it in the UFC where, you know, he just hasn't gotten to that level. And maybe, you know, this booking, if he wins this fight from a from a matchmaking perspective, it's actually really great because Anderson Silva is is a legend. He's not a, he does, he doesn't. He isn't the same guy, but he still has that gravitas to him because he's Anderson Silva. So, you know, I, I you know, I, I, I'm going to root for Anderson Silva because I always root for Anderson Silva. But, you know, if, if this is sort of the way that it goes out, if Hall could beat him in his last fight, that is a big thing for uh, Uriah Hall. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, the last two fights that we'll talk about. I was very entertained by both of these fights. Uh, we we mentioned Walt Harris. Gosh, you know, just pulling for him uh, emotionally. And then you watch him with Volkov, and it's pretty clear that Harris was going to have to take a lot of punishment to get on the inside of Volkov. And there was a couple of times where he tried to come in and then boom, like jab. And he was like, oh, like he did not take that well. And so the length clearly gave him trouble. Um, he was having to eat stuff coming inside. But when he did get inside, he did land some some pretty good shots. But I just didn't think that, you know, that was going to he was going to be able to do that unless he he really uh, knocked Volkov uh, uh, off his uh, off his balance. But, you know, there was a Volkov heavy leg kick. Harris buckled from that like left hand that I mentioned, and then uh, Volkov was ready to load up, and Harris fought well off the back of the cage. I thought like in the first round that it was going to be stopped, but Harris fought well. He got his composure. He started throwing some shots. So big round for Volkov, 
But in the second round, it was like a front push kick right to the gut. And uh, just like um, bald bull from Mike Tyson's punch out, like Harris, <laughs> he has this like sort of half a second slight delay in the effect. And then he kind of like falters off to the side. Volkov, he falls back to the cage. You could tell he's doesn't have wind and Volkov jumps on the opportunity, stops him. Really impressive win for Volkov. You know, we I, I was impressed because, you know, he had that one fight against Derek Lewis that we talked about and he just couldn't finish it. But here he did not let that opportunity get away from him. What'd you think about this fight, John? Uh, I don't even want to talk. This is just sad. Yeah. This is just oh, it was so sad. Because I wanted Will Harris to win so bad just because the all the the circumstances surrounding his uh real life story and I didn't even want to think about it or analyze it. I'm just like picking Walt Harris and, and he's going to win. This is his night. And it, it, uh, it couldn't, couldn't have gone any worse. He didn't really have any answers. Uh, Volkov cold, efficient, Russian, scary, six foot seven, right in the solar plexus. Just that one second later, the feeling of when you get, punched in the gut or the, the body shot. Oh, it was just like that. Oh, it was sad. If you were rooting for Walt Harris like I was, it was just, it was hard to watch. Yeah, and bad tattoos. Volkov with a lot of bad tattoos. Um, yeah, Justin- yeah. I was not, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting, uh, interesting back piece you got going on there. Uh, Justin, what, what do you think as far as uh, Volkov kind of being a, a contender or a guy? Oh, I'll, as far as Volkov, I'll never, you know, he's hard to forget after you see that tattoo. It's like, geez, it's like a cape. But um, he, I, I think this fight ultimately was all about that final snap kick. I mean, mm-hmm. the dude's six seven, and at first when I was watching it, I'm like, whoa, was that a low blow? Because it looked kind of low, but it ended up, it looked like it was right below, uh, like right above his ribs or right like his sternum area, like right dead center but he he uh he winced like he had like he had gotten kicked in the the nuts and it was a little bit like the reaction everyone had it was kind of like was that a low blow or is it a knockout but it was on the replay it was a clean clean shot a couple more shots and that was it it's a bummer for walt harris but as far as uh volkov moving up i mean as far as heavyweights go if he looks like that in more fights He's, it looks deadly, but like uh, I remember DC saying, they were bringing up the Curtis Blades fight. I, we didn't see it go to the ground today, so if somebody can, you know, cut his feet out from under him and put him on the mat, I don't know that that's where uh, he needs to be tested. At least did in the UFC, fight, did he fight Curtis Blades? I think that was his last loss. Because I imagine Curtis Blades would just take him down and wrestle fuck him. Yeah, for I, fifteen minutes. I, I don't. I didn't see the fight, but they mentioned that on commentary. I think that was his last loss. But um, yeah, he he lost and he was out wrestled. So I, it seems like he might have a weak point in the wrestling. But we didn't have to see that today because uh, he stood up and and outstruck uh, Harris. So yeah, five, it was a five round decision victory for Blades uh, in June earlier earlier this year in June. Oh yeah. So so it looks like if you get him to the ground, he might not have a, a full formula. Uh, planned out but we'll see who it i guess it depends on who he's gonna fight next all right so the uh last fight that we'll talk about on this show is uh probably uh you know the best 
actual you know drama fight of the night i didn't i didn't really watch a lot of the undercard so there may have been some other stuff but um we had uh jared cannoneer against robert whitaker and after all the wars that whitaker had gone through i think the thing i didn't realize was a this was a three-round fight so you know he the 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 fight is a little bit different as a three-round fight in the preparation and in in you know what what the fighters have to sort of expect and then secondly the fact that it is a three-round fight uh, robert whitaker just looked as fresh as a daisy like the guy looked awesome he was quick on his feet his boxing looked great his back and forth he was slipping stuff and Cannoneer did not fight a bad fight at all. Like he came out, and he was throwing leg kicks. Like Whitaker wasn't even checking these kicks. And, you know, I think a lot of people were like, oh, you know, he better start checking these things or it's going to be bad news, you know, come that third round. But Whitaker's boxing was so strong. He was so quick. He was, you know, he, he was throwing, he was throwing a jab and then he'd get in and out. And then Cannoneer would be waiting for the jab or looking for the jab. And then Whitaker would throw like a lead right that was just dynamic and and just blazing. And Kenner ended up with, uh, I think he ended up with a, like a bloody eye. His eye was swollen. The main combination to sort of, uh, I, I think that most people will remember, is Whitaker landed uh, uh, his, I think it was a left right. And then Kenner kind of like kind of ducked into a head kick. And when he got kicked... He got so knocked off balance, but he was trying to find his balance. And so he bounces off the cage. But even when he uses the cage to kind of catch himself, he was still uneven. And Whitaker comes in and it looks like he's about to close the show. But credit to Cannoneer, like he stayed in there. He even came out of it in a good position uh, before they kind of got separated and, you know, finished the fight strong. I was as impressed with Whitaker winning this fight, because I'm a big Whitaker fan, you know, especially when you watch these guys on The Ultimate Fighter and you enjoy them and they do well, you kind of follow their career because you spent, you know, 12 weeks or 16 weeks or whatever with them. That's how I am with Whitaker. And so as much as he did such a great job, I also was so impressed with Cannoneer here. He didn't have, you know, he, he came out on the, you know, on the opposite end of a, of a, a two to one decision. But still, I thought he looked really good, too. I didn't I, it, I didn't take anything away from him in this fight, but really good fight. Whitaker wins 29, 28, all three scorecards. John, thoughts on this one? Yeah, Cannoneer, I don't think he loses a ton of steam with this the main thing about uh uh that we were talking about was did the wars with romero uh take too much out of bobby fucking knuckles you thought about that too didn't you when they said your winner, the Reaper, Robert Reaper. <laughs> yes exactly. you, were, you were like that just doesn't sound right no, well but the bobby knuckles thing he's bobby I, fucking I, knuckles i felt like you know, we, we had a little bit of, of maybe premonition that we didn't even know because his boxing was awesome. Bobby Knuckles throwing knuckles. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, the, the question is, did that is he like on some downswing now or is it just that Adesanya is just that much better than everybody else? And I think I think you look great. I think you look as good as he's ever looked. And so I, I think. Now I'm like, well, fuck. Do you get? Do you give him another shot at Adesanya? Because who else? I think I think he's just. I think he's just as good. I don't think he's lost a step or anything. I think he's just the clear number two. 
And but like who would get the title shot? Who would fight Asanya for the eighty five pound title besides Whitaker? I'm not sure. Uh like I was I'm sure they were hoping that Cannonier comes in, blasts him with a big punch. Yeah, I think have, I think he gets the title shot. And you have a new you have a new contender, but now it's like now nah, it's Bobby Knuckles is still keeping everybody at bay. So maybe maybe we'll see a rematch with uh uh Adesanya and Whitaker now. To I mean, to your point, Whitaker number one ranked before this before the show. Cannoneer two, Costa already lost. Hermanson, uh Romero, we've seen that. Darren Till, Brunson, Gastelum, Weidman, Uriah Hall. So it's gotta be Whitaker. I can't see anybody you know, unless Uriah Hall knocks out Anderson Silva in five seconds, like I can't see anybody getting a, another shot ahead of Whitaker. Uh, well, that's interesting. That gives me a thought. But yeah, Cannonier though looked pretty good. Like, and he came on the third. He rocked Whitaker, and I was like, he was hitting some leg kicks too. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is Whitaker's probably winning all the scorecards. But like. It was still like felt like a fairly even fight, and it felt like it was just starting to get really good. And but it was only three rounds, so I was like, "Shit, I really wish this was five rounds." It's like I wish sometimes they would do that thing like they used to do in the Ultimate Fighter, where they go to the fourth round mm-hmm. when it's like a close fight or a draw or whatever. Or we like that. That's what I would have liked to see a fourth round because Cannoneer was coming on in the third, but it just time ran out and. Bobby Knuckles all the way. I mean, no controversy, but I would. I still would have liked. It was just getting good. Like I wish it would have been a five round fight. It could have been a real interesting last two rounds. So maybe Uriah Hall. I'm not sure where he's at in the rankings, but we all know the rankings. Don't Number really, ten before don't, this show. Yeah, what do they really mean? You know. Uh, so if he goes out there, does one of his wacky spinning ninja kicks, starches Anderson Silva, cuts a promo. Maybe you do Anderson Silva, Uriah Hall, just based on that. I, I don't know. The the thing that you said from a strategy perspective, which was Cannoneer, we're getting close. You know, I don't know, there's 30 seconds left in the fight or whatever it was. But he does land, and Whitaker kind of buckles for a second. And so you're thinking, like, okay, maybe there's a shot. And Whitaker, knowing, understanding how much time is left, he just grabs him and they clinch it and they're up against the fence. And so that kind of stalls out the end of the round because, you know, I'm pretty sure he knew what, what the score was as far as him having won that second round fairly convincingly. And then, you know, doing such a good job in that third round too. So that, that, that was really smart strategy. Yeah. He had his, his bearings there to know, okay, we're, we're late in this round. I just need to grab this guy because I've won this round. And, And if I don't grab this guy, he may tee off and 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 try and you know put me down. So I thought that was a that was really good strategy at the end there. Uh, Justin, uh, thoughts on this one? This was the action match of the day. It, w- it was awesome. The last thirty seconds were crazy. Uh, I mean, if you watch the whole match, you, you go, okay, Robert Whitaker, his boxing is what's winning this. He was catching Kenanier all throughout the all three rounds. I was a little worried up front though because right in the beginning. Kenanier threw a kick, the initial low kick that knocked him off his feet. I think, I don't know if it was because of that or because he, 
Whitaker was throwing something and he lost his balance at the same time. But yeah, you could see Whitaker's left leg was tanned up. It was getting red. And by the end of it, it was getting a little like a deeper red. He was working that uh, it was to me, it was the story of the jab versus the low kick and the jab won because, you know, Bobby Knuckles, like we said, like John said, um, I there was one thing that bugged me about Whitaker's fight. He looked great in this, but as, when it went to the ground, there was one point where he made a huge, 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 like amateur mistake. He got his back. He had Jared Kennanier's back, right? It was, I think it was towards the end. He was really dominating and he didn't lock in his hooks. He didn't lock, he didn't grapevine Kennanier's legs. He actually crossed his own legs, which is just, that's like, it's kind of like one one Just don't do that when you're locking in anything go for a body lock before you cross your legs. Cause if, if you watch back, look at what Kenanier does. Kenanier takes Robert's foot. Who's they're kind of crossed over his own legs. Kenanier pushes down on Whitaker's top foot. And that creates like a, a calf slicer kind of move. And after he does that within two seconds, he lets the, the hold go. He didn't really wince or sell it, but that's what happens. He just let it go. And the fight went back up to, uh, to their feet. And in those last 30 seconds, it felt like, man, Cannoneer, he, he got rocked a couple times, but he has the power to maybe shock us and, and land something out of nowhere, which I think is why we felt like he didn't lose that much steam. He was in there. Right. He lost, but he was in there. He didn't feel like he was dominated. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, yeah. I feel like some of those, like uh, when you get to like title eliminator level fights, I feel like there should be five rounds. This definitely felt maybe, like it should have been, yeah. Yeah, like it didn't fit. It felt like it was, I don't know, it felt like we needed two more rounds. Like if it goes two more rounds, you know, maybe it's just more of the same, but, you know, maybe stuff could have, I don't know, I mean, if you're talking about the two guys who are going to fight for the title for five rounds, maybe like the number one contender title eliminator matches like that, maybe those should be five rounds too. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Just speak, I'm speaking riddles. I don't know if y'all noticed right before this. So I feel like they're really, I feel like they're going to make a big fight for Michael Chandler. Mm -hmm. They're making a big deal out of him. They did a little segment right before the main event, right? They're not just throwing him out there. Yeah. He did the, he talked at ringside a little bit, but they had a whole promo package for him. Uh, I mean, maybe it was just because he was there as the backup or whatever, but just that he was there as the backup at all. Tells you what at least Dana and them think of him. So he must have really hit it off with Dana. He must have said all the right things. They must all, they must just vibe together and be on the same page. Because I, I think they're gonna, they're, for for guys never fought in the UFC, I think they're kind of feels like they're rolling out the red carpet for him. Like I don't know if he fights Ferguson next, uh, which is fucked up because apparently they offered that fight, but they were gonna pay Chandler more. Which makes me think he definitely must have got off on the right foot with them because they're probably paying him a good amount of money. But he's they're gonna pay more than Tony Ferguson, <laughs> like that, like who was on a ten fight winning streak and was like the man up until a few months ago when he lost and still kind of the man. Like Tony Ferguson should be making top dollar, man. Like he's a right. Like they're gonna. Like, I, I so, wonder. So if apparently has- that allegedly that fight didn't come together because Tony was like, no, fuck you. I'm not signing this when you're going to pay this Bellator guy more than me. I'm Tony fucking Ferguson, which I totally get. And, uh, but like, why couldn't they just paid him a little more and made the fight? Right. Cause, you know, I, 
So I, I, I don't know, but uh, I, I guess that's where they're gonna they're gonna go next. But whatever, whatever they do, I feel like they're throwing Chandler right into the mix. So we're gonna find out. Uh, we're gonna find out exactly where Chandler fits in in all this, which is the big question. All right, so UFC two fifty five just announced uh, there's four four matches on the show. Now we just had two fairly fairly big main events on the last two shows. This one is going to be a, a little lesser, at least in in name value. I'm not talking about actual uh, fight you know fight quality. So UFC 255 headlined by double main events with Davison Figueredo defending the men's flyweight championship against Alex Perez and Val- Valentina Sh- uh, Shevchenko putting her flyweight crown against Jennifer Maya. So from a marquee standpoint, those two fights are not the last two shows that we saw in any way. Rounding out the other two fights on that card so far um, is uh, Brandon Moreno against Brandon Royval. We saw Royval on the last show. Very impressive. And then Shogun taking on Paul Craig uh, as the fourth fight. They're going to announce a fifth fight, at least for their own pay-per-view buys. I do hope the fifth fight is is something a little bit bigger. Um, But... You know, we've had two really two two pretty substantial UFCs. This one, from a name value, comes down a little bit. Uh, any any quick thoughts on that show before we get out of here? I don't know. It seems like uh, you said there's only four fights so far. Yeah, I'm sure they're. I'm, 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 my guess is that they're trying to get something worked out because they have about a little bit less than a month. It's November 21st. Maybe that's the. Uh... Maybe that's Chandler Ferguson or something. I feel like you need something else there. I don't know. You know. Well, Chandler was talking about you know going home for the holidays, and so I, I kind of wondered if if he, you know, wanted to then wait a little bit. Uh, you don't think they give him a tune-up fight, maybe in Vegas? I mean, that's what we we're talking about the, the last time or whatever. He doesn't want that. Mm-hmm. I think they're like Chandler wants to go right into the deep end. I think they're. By the way, it seemed like they're getting behind him. I feel like they're gonna throw him right to the uh, right to the wolves. Yeah, after today's promo, it, it was big. It felt like they're bringing in a big superstar. The promo they did was it looked really cool. It was really it, everything felt high gloss about how it was presented. And when he was talking with the announcers, it felt like we don't know what's gonna happen today. But going forward, it seems like Chandler is gonna be a big part of UFC. I mean, you're talking about 155 too. There's no tune-up fights. Oh, that's there's right. no tuna. Yeah, there's no fucking tuna. They're all they're all really you know, good. He's going right <laughs> in, you know, going right into I the mean, deep end. You I mean, you could put them against number eight, nine, or ten. I don't know who they are, but I'm sure they're. It ain't a fucking tune up fight. Like lightweights, lightweights ridiculous. So I mean, you'd have to bring in somebody that was like unranked or some. You'd have to bring in a like a pro wrestling jobber to give him a tune up fight because you're not going to give anybody in that. Top 10, that's a tune-up fight, you know. But I think you know, he wants to go right to the deep end. Seemingly, they're going to push him right to the deep end. So the thought of him and Tony is really intriguing to me because I love watching Tony Ferguson fights. Yeah, maybe they can make that work. But, you know, wouldn't it be – it would be so pretty throw, hard uh, for him, though, right? Like Chandler, he just – you know, he had to make weight. He was training. And then I assume, you know, he's going to take a, a couple of weeks off just for his body's sake. But 
if he was to fight next month, he would kind of have to get right back in it, right? Yeah. It, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe just put hey, him with Gaethje. Yeah, Gaethje said he wants to fight in six to eight weeks. How far is that? Uh, yeah. How far away is that card? Late November. About six no weeks. Dis- yeah, no disrespect to the uh, to the other uh, to the two flyweight title matches on the card, but the fact that there's a a question mark leads me to speculation. I wonder if we could get another big fight for that for that card. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. You know, for their sake. I mean, I'll I'll I'll, I'll watch anyways as long as I'm. Uh, wait, so November twenty first. Had a really good, uh, really good promo for Figueroa. They're really pushing the shit out of him. Yeah, as like a, as like a killer, like yeah, a beast. So, uh, that was cool. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to figure that out because I think that is the week of Thanksgiving. So that is the I think that's the Saturday before Thanksgiving. So that's interesting as far as time frame. Uh, they're they're going to get one show in, and then what is UFC? 256 i would imagine maybe the week before christmas or so yeah saturday december 12th and i i don't know if they have any i I think they're trying to target uh, amanda nunez uh there but i'm not sure if they've actually officially announced it well Um, only a week to go until the swan song of anderson the spider silva we all have to tune in and pay our respects to the to the spider in his final fight, they should have uh, they should have Rich Franklin there and Shale Sonnen, dude. And Shale Sonnen, dude. So, uh, I'm from uh, Cincinnati. When I was living in Cincinnati, uh, actually, uh, Josh Rafferty, who I mentioned before, childhood friend of uh, Rich Franklin, uh, they trained together. So Rich Franklin in Cincinnati in his peak when he's UFC champion, you know. Our sports teams don't do very good. So when somebody does good from Cincinnati, you know, the city really gets behind them, right? So Rich Franklin in Cincinnati is like, he's a hero. Mm, okay. Like a total hero. Hometown hero. Uh, yeah, and, and UFC was really big at the time. So uh, first fight with Anderson Silva, he gets kneed in the face and just destroyed. Anderson Silva wins the belt. So they do the big rematch in Cincinnati at the what was then the U.S. Bank Arena, and they rolled out like all they all the red carpet, like full court press on the media. Hometown hero is going to win the belt back against the bad guy. Like it was, it was the hottest ticket in town, dude. Like the whole city is like buzzing. Hometown heroes, they sell out U.S. Bank Arena. It's this big thing. I'm I'm watching it at a sports bar. Uh, they got it on the big screens, and the and the place is packed, it's like standing room only packed. And, uh, um, Anderson Silva comes out in black and yellow trunks, which is the color of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who is a rival of the Cincinnati Bengals. Rich Franklin comes out to welcome to the jungle, <laughs> which is the Bengals theme song. Comes out in orange and black trunks. The place is rocking. It's the, the atmosphere is incredible. Ding, ding, ding. 45 seconds later, same story. Yeah. Muay Thai clinch, knee in the face, knee in the face. Franklin goes down, and this entire bar is just like silence. Oh. And it's the saddest night ever. Like, everybody's just like, oh. Eesh. And it, like, 
slowly filing out quietly. But right up until the bell rung, that was a really exciting night. I remember the yeah, I remember those two fights pretty clearly because there was a changing of the guard a little bit in that the UFC at up to that point, you know, they were promoting certain guys as a little bit bigger than life. And then they were starting to bring other guys from, you know, different companies. And there was a, a little bit more of an international mix of talent. So you just got done watching uh, Chris Lieben on the ultimate fighter. And so you're like, Oh, you're rooting for him because you know, you saw him on the ultimate fighter and Anderson Silva comes in. And if you didn't know anything about Anderson Silva, you're like, oh, you know, this is interesting. I wonder what's going to happen here. But if you knew an inkling about Anderson Silva before that fight, you knew what the setup was, is they're going to use this Lieben name to, you know, to, to get Anderson Silva over. And that fight, it just it just blew my mind because it was such a mismatch. It was like, you know, we talked about, you know, giving Chandler like, a, you know, a tune-up fight. That was like a tune-up fight. But I didn't realize it because I didn't know anything about Anderson Silva. I thought this was going to be a competitive fight, and the, it was actually the opposite. It was Chris Lieben was the uh, you know what was the jobber in that scenario, and Anderson Silva was was the guy that they were promoting. I, I was I was like my mind was blown when I saw him the first time. You ever read uh, Chris Lieben's book? No, hell of a book. Yeah, hell of a read. Yeah, yeah. What's it what called? Say about that fight. Uh, I'm not sure what it's called. Uh... Oh, it was years ago. That I'll it, look it but, up. You know, yeah, but it, what did he say about the fight? Uh, probably pretty much what you expect. I don't remember that. But uh, it's just crazy, just all the, the drug stories and everything. And, you know, he's a hell of a character. Yeah. Chris, B- uh, big Chris, fan of, I'm a big fan of Chris the Crippler Lieben. Oh, I, I loved him on that, the Ultimate Fighter show. He and Koscheck and those guys, I still don't think they get enough credit. No, creating a fan base that yeah, did not wild. exist. If Chris Lieben didn't get pissed drunk and pee on somebody's bed or whatever it was that created that whole rivalry with him and Koscheck, and then they did the big rating, got everybody hooked. Like MMA might not even look like it likes today. Look, ugh, excuse me. MMA might not look like it looks like today. I, I can't even talk. <laughs> MMA might be different today right. if Chris Lieben hadn't got pissed drunk and acted a fool on camera. So we all owe him a great attitude. Dead of gratitude. I'm. I gotta. Oh, well, good, good, I can't. Good. I can't watch. I can't watch fights at 11 a.m. I can't get too crazy. <laughs> good thing. Good thing we can't even talk anymore. All right. So the book is called "The Crippler Cage Fighting and My Life on the Edge." Came out in 2016 for uh, for folks whose interest is now piqued by uh, by John's uh, recommendation there. Okay, so uh, we're gonna get out of here. Um, the one thing I did want to say, though, is because you will probably not hear from us um, before the next time, which is uh, I want to kind of promote the uh, Full Gear uh, show here since we have John and, you know, just let people know, hey, you know, John's in a in, in an I Quit match for his, his championship against Eddie Kingston. Uh, you can get that show on pay-per-view. And the way that I get it is through the... Um, the Bleacher Report app uh, through my uh, my Apple TV, so that's how I'll be watching it. So a couple different ways uh, ways to watch the show, but yeah, man, you know we won't talk to you probably until the next UFC show. But good luck with that match. the The stuff that you've done with Eddie Kingston already has been awesome, and the promos from uh, last week's Dynamite 
on both ends were just top level stuff, like just stuff that we don't get to see much anymore. But you know, when you're talking about a main event match, when you're talking about a title match, those promos there just sort of crystallizing everything that I love about pro wrestling. But uh, yeah, just wanted to throw that out there so that people know two weeks uh, and uh, get to see John uh, wrestle on pay per view. Um, okay. Did you anything you want to say about that? Oh, yeah. Just Bleacher Report live app and uh, check it out on pay-per-view. You already know AEW pay-per-views top to bottom are always top-notch from uh, first match to the main event. And uh, you don't want to miss any of them. And this is going to be this is going to be no different. All right. So I want to say uh, thanks to John uh, for hanging out again. This is the uh, the fourth one that we've done. And feedback has been awesome. I think everybody loves these shows. So um, just great stuff. And also to Justin, you know, Justin's uh, been been a, a good uh, right-hand person, a good partner for me these last few weeks. And he did the G1 stuff. So thanks to Justin for hanging out, too. We got we got some stuff in, uh, you know, that, that we're cooking up on the, uh, the Fight Game media end. But yeah, so thanks to both. Uh, and I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.